This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Welcome to the Dogist Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to dog parents and the topics, events, and personalities impacting their lives today. My name is Jason Arias, uh, co-founder of Forever USA. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Miss Sylvia West, certified dog trainer, pet expert, and dog mom extraordinaire of Dog Up in This Bitch. How did I do today? Holy smokes. He done did it, everybody. Yeah. Um, Today's episode was like crazy awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We got to speak to Zach Scow, which like what a freaking honor that he took time out of his busy schedule. Founder of uh, Marley's Mutts. Marley's Mutts. He's an incredible human being. Um, We matched. Man, we we talked about a lot of lot of stuff if you're by the way if you're not watching the youtube version of this you're seriously doing yourself a disservice because the youtube version is going to have uh like race car talk and Mm -hmm. it's going to have like extended stuff we ended up talking for almost two hours today and the podcast is only 43 minutes yeah i mean listen like he's just a very cool human and like you know, the extended stuff we always love getting to do with our guests because we feel like it it gives our listeners an opportunity to appreciate them as just human beings, which um, I think cuts right to the core of the episode, which is just like meeting people where they're at. Well, let's get into it with Zach. Very cool. Let's go. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thank you. Zach, you made it. Your day was was harrowing. It was something else. You tried to tell us without like telling our listeners and like, we just wouldn't allow it. You know, we were like a timeout. Your day sounds really exciting. Um, You should go change your shirt and then we'll talk. (laughs) Change your shirt. There was a, there was a costume change and everything. You guys like this has been the ramp up to this. Needless to say, we're all very comfortable. Jason and I also changed our shirts just in like a movement of solidarity. I'm kidding. We didn't. Well, did Um, you notice that I stayed with tan? Because you said tan. I literally went and found the closest thing I had to tan. When I saw you pop back up on the video, I was like, he's a good sport. We're going to be excellent friends. I appreciate it. I did notice it was duly noted. I'm putting in efforts here. You guys really accommodated me brilliantly. (laughs) I I told myself this morning when I left the house too, I'm not, we're not canceling no matter what. I don't care what happens. And then sure enough, we got stuck inside North Kern state prison and Etc. and so forth. And you guys were great. No, no, no. It was, time time it out. Was the, you can't no, just etc. No, 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 it was. It was the greatest phone call. I get a phone call like at, at two o'clock and he's like, hey man, they're not letting me out of prison on time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll get let me uh jump right in there. Yes, summarize that. Yes, so it's a super exciting day for us. This, this is probably um the most exciting spiritual day for me in God, in all, close to two years, um, you know, pre, our, our positive change inmate canine training program, which is a program of Marley's Mutts, is one of my, it's like my spiritual lifeblood. I feed so much of my 
my spirituality, my purpose, so much of it is plugged into this program. And today we were welcomed back inside North Kern State Prison, which is a really big deal. It's um, one of the seminal locations of our positive change program. And but we've been running it on the outside. We've been running it at the fence for during all of COVID because prisons are off limit. So we were finally welcomed back in. We had um, interviews today. So today we interviewed 37 inmates on the high security yard, a yard at North Kern State Prison to join our program, to join uh, 20 or close to 20 um, student inmates who are already enrolled. You know, so many of our guys got out of prison or moved to lower security facilities during the off season, during COVID. So it was a whole bunch of new guys. And it's just really thrilling to be a part of because I'm there with, you know, one of my best friends, Robert, Robert Villaneda, who's our, our lead trainer. He's a former Marine, uh, an incredible guy who I, I seek to emulate in many ways. And he's a Hispanic male, you know, Marine Corps veteran. And to see him get to go into prison and run our program the way he does and encourage other men of, of his background. You know, he's raised with, with 12 brothers and sisters in a Catholic household and with all the shame and the rest of it that goes with that. So to get to see him become such an incredible leader inside of prison and, and to lead these, these men to discovering themselves emotionally, to um, disseminate emotional, to just create a, a landscape where being emotional is is welcome and is appreciated and is accepted. And it's so difficult to do in a prison setting and, and, and especially to do it while, while maintaining, you know, what they understand to be kind of necessary male elements. So to kind of maintain your dignity as a male, but still be able to, to be very highly emotionally in tune and emotionally expressive. And so it's, we always talk about prison, you know, whenever we leave the positive change program, it's like you've been at, it's like you're arriving at Disneyland. That's the only way I know how to explain the the feeling. It's 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 exhilarating. You know, you're so plugged into your purpose, and and uh, I don't know. It's just it's beautifully magical. So yeah, today we were there two hours later than we had wanted to be. We were we had to process some paperwork and get our IDs handled and, and all these different things. So we got kept a little longer than we had hoped, and you guys pushed it back so we could make the podcast happen. But greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah. So the other things that, that I would love to jump into that we've been talking about is just Afghanistan is trying to help a couple of different rescues, uh, Nozod and, and uh, Kabul Animal Rescue, who are essentially stuck in Kabul. And um, so I definitely to want to get channels. to this. Like, I definitely want to talk about that because that sounds really exciting. But for yeah. the people like we have a lot of listeners that probably don't know about the positive change program. Mm -hmm. So in just a couple minutes do you think that you can like break down sure. what that is how that works just so that people mm -hmm. understand because like i've had a little bit of exposure to it and and hearing you talk about and the impact that it's made on you and in the prison systems and all but until you understand kind of everything yeah. the pre-story a little bit yeah so positive change is a comprehensive inmate canine training program that we operate in currently six state prisons, California state prisons, and one girls juvenile facility. And the crux, the kind of core of that program is a 14 week long live in rescue dog, rescue people program, kind of a mutual rescue exchange whereby dogs go from high kill animal shelters in California to our ranch for a decompression period and evaluation and then to prison. So 
they live in prison for three months. Uh, there aren't many programs like ours. There are a few like Pause for Life is an incredible program. Um, a lot of them, the prison programs focus on puppy raising. Uh, ours does not. Uh, the whole purpose of our program is to create um, wellness through the human animal bond, but to create hope and opportunity for pe incarcerated people and pets. The whole point is to create new opportunities for these abandoned, given up on animals who you know, may feel a variety of different ways and to also give hope and opportunity to these abandoned human beings, you know, human beings who have been essentially sequestered away from society, locked up from hope, opportunity, love, emotion, feeling, um, separated from all of those very human things. And that void is filled with violence, racism, segregation, um, hopelessness, drugs, alcohol, um, all of these chaotic, terrible variables that um, greet you when you walk into prison. So the positive change program really ends up being like an antidote to a lot of the negativity and cyclical nonsense that is rampant, that is just culturally worn into the prison system. Okay, I want to take a I want to take yeah. a quick break right here. I have a we're I'm gonna take a quick break. Yeah. Time out. Okay, so I just want to like because I want to slow this down because I know that probably for you, Zach, like. You talk about this and you've explained this program like so many times. And for myself and probably many of our listeners, like this is my first time really hearing of something like this. And so like, I literally have the chills. I'm probably going to cry through most of this episode and it's totally <laughs> fine. It's very normal. Spoiler alert. Totally. I cry a lot. Um, but what I'm really hearing and what I'm finding like extremely compassionate about this program is that there's like the parallels of like, you know, this idea because here we talk about animal welfare a lot and we're really into the human animal bond and like what that creates. And we know how much rescue dogs can be a hero for us. And so this is like legitimately you're taking that sentiment and then there's just like amplifying it yeah. and being like, Oh, you think they can save regular people? Like watch them totally change Prisoners, which I, I, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I think not going too far into like politics, but the prison system is just so far beyond broken in, you know, there is no opportunity for rehabilitation for most of yeah. our, our inmates in this country. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. So you're literally like rehabilitating dogs and people at the same time. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. To give you a vision of what our program looks like, um, we are on the high security yard at North Kern State Prison. It's a very large prison. This is where we were today. Um, it's like this at all of the facilities we work on. Um, you, you walk into the, you go through a variety of different gates and you approach the yard. The yard is essentially a uh, track. It's a large track with some sports activity enrichment areas. The entire yard is uh, as intimidating as you would assume. It's a, you know, several hundred, if not a thousand inmates all broken up into race. So, you know, whites, blacks, Southerners, Northerners, others, everybody's just rigidly separated. And the mm -hmm. vibe is intense. You know, as soon as you lay foot on that yard, all eyes are on you. Um, and you gaze across this yard, all of these, you know, shirtless, tattooed, 
intense individuals are, are kind of milling about and you see this enormous two-story high positive change silhouette painting that says North Kern State Prison positive change. And it's painted on the side of the dorm. And it's this beacon of light emanating from this extremely dark place. And, uh, you know, we walk across that yard and, you know, we'll walk past areas that are strictly segregated. So people won't be able to follow us, depending on what race they're, they're a part of, into different areas. But when we're bringing dogs in, like next Tuesday, we'll be bringing dogs in. And to watch the reactions from people, many of whom who haven't seen a dog in 20 years, have not seen a dog, have not seen a dog in 20 years. Like we forget about that. We understand right. incarceration, we under, but we forget that um, a dog represents unconditional love. A dog represents acceptance. A dog represents a safe place. A dog represents understanding like reciprocity. And it happens instantaneously. It just occurs. They don't even have to have much of an interaction. Um, it's, it's like they, there is a prison restricts your emotional, your, ability to be emotional because it's Correct. not safe to be emotional it's not safe our program makes it safe our program well, not also, only makes it i feel like probably most of the people you're working with didn't have the clearance to be emotionally free even before they arrived there yeah you know so that was of probably a yeah. disadvantage to them and a huge contributing factor to them yeah. even arriving at the state that they're in yeah, most of our, our, I relate very heavily to most of our, our guys. You know, most of our guys are in some form of recovery, you know, from alcohol or drugs. Most of our guys were incarcerated at young ages. So um, most of them spent time in CY, you know, California Youth Authority, mm -hmm. um, various juvenile detention centers. So they are products of the system 100%. And that, um, that maturity, that emotional maturity has been stifled and they've never had a place where, where they can cultivate that. And what, you know, what we do in the program is, is cultivate emotional honesty by making it imperative. You have to understand what you are feeling in order to be honest with your dog. If you don't check yourself and feel that you are feeling, because everything you're feeling gets channeled through that leash into that dog. Your dog will see right through whatever bullshit facade you're trying to portray. They will see right through you. So a huge part of this is being able to say, I feel insecure. I feel mm. scared. I feel nervous, anxious. I feel lonely. I feel like I'm missing home. I feel any of what you're feeling, but learn to communicate that and do so in a safe environment um, and do so where, where you're not only going to be accepted for it, but you're going to be you know, promoted and encouraged to do so. And to watch the, the floodgates open is, is really magical. You know, a lot of these guys have been holding on to their emotions for so long, which is which is kind of the most inhumane uh, thing you, uh, as a very emotional person. You know what I mean? I, when I think to myself, what would be, what would be torture? Uh, what is you know, emotional torture? And that's not being able to express how you're feeling, you know, what you're truly feeling and have to really portray this um, ingenuine facade. It, it's, it's, it is cruel. And uh, the program really helps guys, understand who they are, understand what they're feeling. And we, we really cultivate a safe space whereby they, you know, give speeches. They have homework and they just have week. permission. Yeah. And they it's really permission. built into our curriculum. You know, the, a, a day in the life of the course is, so we'll go in on a Monday, for instance, at North Kern State Prison, and it's a three to four hour course. And it would be myself, 
Um, you, there's usually two trainers. There's usually Robert and Stephanie or Leah or Lisa or Sam and Kim. There's a variety of different trainers that we employ in the program. Um, I kind of float around and, and, uh, but it's a three to four hour program. We have usually 30 inmates, 30 student inmates, 10 dogs. So those 10 dogs live in the pod. So the housing unit is broken up into pods. So a yard will typically have several housing, uh, will typically have several pods. So one pod will hold 90 to 120 men. All of our men will, will congregate, will live in that pod. All the dogs will live in that pod. And those men will have, there'll be three men per dog. So all hours of the day, that dog is being trained for three straight months. They spend roughly 13 and a half hours a day working with their, their guys, working with their people. And they're, they're following the canine good citizen certification. Um, so they're following those testing points. The CGC is 10, Super cool. a 10 point testing, you know, uh, process whereby at the end of, of our class, they are tested. Our testers go in, most of our trainers are testing certified for CD, CGC. So they'll have to perform. They'll have to get that. And we've, we've never had someone not graduate. They've all, we have hundred percent graduation rate. Uh, we also have hundred percent recidivism or zero percent recidivism. And what I mean by that is none of our guys have gone back to prison. Um, we have, I think, graduated 600 men. Um, something like 55 have been released from prison. And to our knowledge, none of them have gone back to prison. Uh, the national average is 75% mm. go back to prison, wow. um, essentially within six years of, of, of offending or being released. Um, and there's just, you know, we can, I think it, it would be a disservice if we didn't get into the politics a little bit, not necessarily right or left or anything like that. But from a taxpayer standpoint, it's very important to understand that the prison system is creating hyper dangerous individuals by incarcerating them in such a dark, um, negative place. We are only encouraging recidivism. And what does that mean? Well, we're encouraging two things more violence to be inflicted upon human beings when they get out of prison and more money to be spent on locking them up when they get caught again in, in California. I think, yeah. I think the biggest thing that probably most people don't realize is that prisons are privatized and they are, they're, they're financially soluble, which is horrible to say, but I think it's important to say that. And so it does, it does serve the system for the, prisoners to return yeah. so yeah, i think there is, there is it's that, like yeah. groundbreaking that you're mm -hmm. like doing this this work because you don't see reform programs commonly in our systems here in in the states it's very yeah. uh it's very unfortunate yeah we don't and um it's hard the system itself it took us a long time to just get into prison it took us years of begging you know and paying for it. we pay for it the wow. state doesn't pay for it. I was wondering about that. I was gonna PDCR doesn't pay for it. The taxpayers don't pay for it. Private donors pay for it. All of our programs. We had some support for a while, but when COVID happened, all of the money, every fucking dollar went to housing, went to housing formerly incarcerated. So they're not being prepared for release, no. you know, and um, it can, the bottom can fall out for you. And guys have all the structure and all of the, the kind of lifelines built into prison, you know, where everything's regimented and, and they're just taking care of you by the very nature of prison. It can be very intimidating if you don't have family, if you don't have work, if you don't have a means to support yourself. It, it can feel um, the walls can close in 
quickly when you're released from prison. And um, it really requires um, setting these guys up emotionally for getting out of prison. You know, you got to think about it this way. Um, when you're down and locked up for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, a lot of our guys are my age. I'm 41 and they've been locked up for more than 20 years. You know, that's, wow. that's half of their life. Um, they have no they, relationships. <laughs> they no, have no skills in negativity. building relationships. Someone like yourself, right? They've never interacted with a female in the last 20 years in a really like a normal, friendly, hey, how was your day? How are you? Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Zach. You know, it's never that. It's always someone who's in a position of authority over them. So can you imagine not having seen a female in 20 years and, and then just being out on the streets, not having interacted with someone like how awkward some of those interactions can be? And I think we just have lost a tremendous amount of empathy for what it means to make a mistake. Um, even if you're a, you know, a young kid, most of these guys were kids uh, and to not have a way to redeem yourself not have a way in this society to say, look, that's not me. Please forgive me. You know, there really isn't much of a way, but there sure as shit is a way through positive change. There is no better, you know, even my dad was somebody who wasn't sold on this uh, when we first presented it, you know, didn't really like the idea of his son going into maximum security prisons and, and and maybe why are you working with those guys instead of dealing with working with maybe other people that that might deserve it more, you know? And then he started, you know, listening to me and, and when I would come out of prison and how I would be feeling and how jazzed and how, you know, and just all the change and the positivity and the potential, just the endless potential that exists within our prison systems. These guys have just never been believed in. Never been They've just, and same with these dogs, you know, they, they, they have a tendency to believe their own stories, which is, you know, I'm just, I'm just an addict who's been locked up for 20 years. I'm just, you know, I'm just this, I'm just that. And what's also exciting about that is the pet industry, (laughs) the pet industry is a hundred billion dollar industry. It is enormous. Just here, just here in the States. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Yeah. A billion. And what incarcerated people have always needed is an economy that believed in them. Yeah. An economy that didn't segregate them or didn't prejudge them and through the lens of rescue dogs people will just drop their guard whatever natural guard we have up about formerly incarcerated you put a dog in front of a rescue dog in front of them and we forget about it we, we get right back to the heart we get right back to empathy dogs just facilitate um the, the more humane reactions the more like righteous reactions in people they help us to see the truth whereas we're so polarized naturally it's so black and white mm. left and right all, all the rest of it and uh dogs really help people to um see the potential in these guys and girls and to see okay. so many of our guys get out of prison and find employment i mean this is a dog you guys know the dog world pretty well there aren't a lot of black black and brown people no. in the work that we do much Correct. less men male you know much less <laughs> i was just gonna say yes. black and brown men yeah the majority of our graduates are black and brown men who have found employment in this you know who are not only found employment but many of them are small business owners many of them are employing other graduates i mean Incredible. we have one of our guys who's doing an amazing job i just marvel at at his success and who he is as a person and he's trying to support another one of our guys and there's just a lot of guys helping guys they're really succeeding in, out in this world. They're owning businesses and uh, they're taxpayers. They're small business owners. And 
there's just an absolute ton of potential in these in individuals because they have experienced the darkness, because they have experienced a wide spectrum of emotional pain, suffering, ex- you know, all of it. They have just a wealth of experience, etc. You know, and if yep. you can get through being down, if you can get through a 20 year bid and get out of prison with a decent attitude, I mean, good God, you're a special person because prison tries to take it all away from you. And they emerge with their humanity still intact and still focused on, they just blow me away, man. I, I am, I am more impressed and I've been healed personally by these individuals um, more than, than, than almost, you know, people I've known since I was in grade school, you know, there's just a very special bottom. Okay. On that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So there was something that you said, Zach, that really like stuck out to me. Like uh, there's one word that you said and like in the break, we kind of went into something else. But you said that your dad wanted you to work with people who deserved it more. And I think that that's such an interesting word, because when I think about inmates like and I there's like this weird and so this gets into like what you were saying during the break which is like there's like this like if you're anti-inmate you're like if you're pro-inmate you're like anti other things and like i try to just kind of get down to the fact that like this is a human life and like we've been discussing like a lot of these people have been there since they were kids like they messed up one time you know like i can just share like my husband's son graffitied on a bathroom wall in Beverly Hills and got sent to juvie because it's Beverly Hills and got sucked up into the system and ended up being a drug dealer till he was like in his mid twenties and just like sucked right back into the system again. He's like totally clean and like happy now, but like, this is a thing that happens because when he was 14, he tagged a bathroom wall. Like how is that not someone who's deserving of like a reformation or a second chance? So that's my bias, but I understand where like a lot of people don't think that way. Like they're like, Oh my God, they're all murderers and rapists. And that's not really true. So why are these people like not deserving of an opportunity to be shown love, compassion, empathy, and an opportunity so that when they get out, they can do something with their lives that isn't going to land them back in prison, Um, which is the whole idea of rescue dogs. Right. And I know Jason, like the forever brand is all about this idea of not getting stuck on that story. Like, Oh, fluffy was beaten and his eye is now missing, but like, he's such a good boy. It's more like this is an incredible dog with a lot of love to give. And I think what your program is doing is like helping us look at humans in that way, yeah. which I think is the most compassionate thing that we all 100%. Need to do. There, there's a couple famous quotes uh, that I, I, I meld together. One of them is essentially um, you can judge a nation based on how they treat their incarcerated. And then another one is something similar, but like in reference to, I've heard that like with people, like you can judge a person based on how they, right. Mm -hmm. So I tend to think of, um, you know, there's just a, how we treat incarcerated people and how we, uh, whether or not we choose to empathize with them is a critical, critical decision. And for a long time, since really the forever, but certainly in the mid nineties during the big, 
you know, say, you know, war on drugs and, and this big kind of law and order epidemic, if you will, where the massive mass incarceration was essentially created in the, in the mid nineties. Um, we have lost our empathy. We have, mm. we have lost our empathy with people who, um, who have never, in many cases, never had a chance. It's not that they, they messed up and we ought to forgive them. It's that they never had a chance and they've been victims of so much pain and trauma. I mean, I know, you know, hundreds of inmates and their stories intimately and, you know, communicate with a variety of guys. And we have breakout sessions in, in prison to, to unpack these things. And most of them have lived, many of them have lived existences that you just cannot fathom mm-hmm. and to not, to not allow ourselves to have empathy for people who have committed crimes or allow ourselves to have empathy for, for these situations is just wrong. We've just been taught for a long time that the, uh, we keep the bad people over here. We separate mm-hmm. ourselves from the bad people. And after all, they're tattooed and dressed in blue and they're in prison, which must mean that they're, they're bad. So we don't want anything to do with them. We don't want any resources for them. We don't want to, you know, we're going to not provide anything for them. And the opposite should be true. We should be looking at each of these souls each of, I mean, there's 10 million children directly connected to incarcerated parents right now mm. in America. 10 million. You know, just pause on that for a minute. What did those kids do wrong? Their parents are locked up. You know, what, what do you think that's going to do to their life? You know what the chances of an, that an incarcerated child will go to an, a child of an incarcerated person will go to prison? 80 percent. You know, you, you essentially quadruple their chances of going to prison by locking up their parents. So we got to have empathy for these things and we got to unpack these things instead of being so reactive. We just want to be reactive. And, mm-hmm. you know, prison has been used as a, as a political football to one degree or another, where it's like, if you believe in redemption, you know, you're one end of the spectrum. And if you believe in like crime and punishment, then you're on the other end. And it's just incorrect. We just need to force ourselves to be more empathetic in all ways, in all ways. And there is nothing more empathetic than a dog. I was just going to say, I think that's, I think that's where the dog fills that that zone is that unconditional empathy. Like they just don't, uh, they don't care. Like they're not sitting there worrying about what somebody did or is going to do. They're just living in the moment. Mm. And the, you, you had mentioned it a little bit earlier, Zach on, when you bring a dog into the relationship, like for example, my dad used to actually not do business with people that didn't like, cause his dogs would go to the, the shop with him all the time. <laughs> and, and if they came in and they're like, Ooh, like weirded out about the dogs, he would not do business with them. It was just a, like an indicator. And so like the same thing, like you can learn a lot about how somebody treats an animal and regardless of what you look like, if you get down on the ground and you're playing with a Pomeranian, my trust for you, especially in that moment is through the roof. Like I can, I can overlook, I don't really care about anything else. It just builds that opportunity of having a conversation about something, sharing a story and still being able to build a quick relationship through another living being. Yeah. Yay. Human animal bond. (laughs) Well, Well, what does the human animal bond teach us most? You know, it enables us to do better human-human bonding. Correct. Mm -hmm. Because I don't fucking trust people. You know, I've been burnt a lot of times by people that I care. And if I just listen to myself, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. like anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I, don't get me wrong. I love people. You know, a lot of people in our line of work like to, uh, you know, favorite. I know it's a weird thing. 
Yeah, I, I don't understand how you can be a dog trainer, not like people like they're 90 yeah. percent of my job is speaking to my dog's owners. I can't yeah. talk to the dogs. I can't yeah. be like, OK, Fluffy, mommy's going to tell you to sit and you need to do it now. Like, that's how yeah. this works. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're on the other end. Like we started doing dog photography because it was so much better than family photography. Like we didn't have to pretend to like a bunch of people. It was just we we would tell the dogs they could stay at the studio for the day, but there was no way you were leaving your kids. So <laughs> I got to pause on that since you just uh, introduced the topic. But we, still to this day, I don't think there is a more I don't even think I can look at you while I say this, but there is not a more emotional video or um, <sighs> the uh, the pictures you guys took of uh, our family were incredible and you know our dog passed about a year after you guys took those pictures and uh, you know my wife and I just we still look at those pictures regularly and uh, they're so special. That was just our girl. That was our very special girl, you know, and she, uh, she died in front of our daughter. Um, and it was, it was awful, you know, but I have these pictures of her with my daughter that you guys took and with our whole family. And during COVID, you know, my, my father-in-law got sick, really sick a couple of times. And, and uh, the whole gang is in those pictures. And I can't tell you how many times, I looked at those images. Um, I have them in my, this little folder on my phone. I stare at them all the time. And uh, I'll never be able to thank you enough for that. Man. We are absolutely honored. And Christy will love hearing that message as well. So thank yeah. you. It's, uh, it was remarkable. It's more remarkable because I'll never forget Christy's style. I'm going, is this for real? Like she was just, <laughs> what, is hap- what is happening? This she is the most unconventional that. photo shoot I've ever been in. What, what is happening right now? And I remember you looked over me at one point and you were like, trust the process or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, all right, dude, all right, I get it. And then the picture. Yeah, Christy out. has a way. I was sobbing in her shoot. She's like, just tell me about them. I'm like, why do I feel this way right now? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it, man. I mean, some of those of what you guys captured, it was just, it was, it was remarkable. There's such okay. powerful moments. So I want to, because I know it's something that's really important to oh, you. So I want to make sure that we on us anymore. You're just going to take it. I off know. I just want to make sure that we get, <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I just want to very much sure appreciated we... Zach. Very, yeah. very, very much. Yeah. Mm. Okay. There's Miss Cora. Oh, hello, baby. Oh, Rose. Oh, is it precious? There's a whole gaggle of dogs in here. They've just, uh, yeah. I'm sure you can hear them itching. and <laughs> The table every once in a while is like, yeah. Um, okay. So let's really, you know, we've, we've got just like one minute before the break, but I just want to like quickly get a little summary on like what's going on in Afghanistan. And then I want to mm-hmm. talk about what happened to you today, but why don't you let everybody know like what's going on over there? I mean, obviously probably a lot of people are invested in the human side. So like enlighten yeah. us a little bit on the animal sure. side. Sure. There's two specifically two organizations in Afghanistan that are really wonderful and that are stuck in Kabul. One of them is Kabul animal rescue. The other is Nauzad, um, who's which is was founded by this gentleman, Penn Farthing. He's a United Kingdom Marine. He was a UK Marine, um, fought in Iraq and Afghanistan, was in the military for 22 years, 
started that organization in country in Kabul to save lives. And when the U.S. started to pull out and the Taliban took over Kabul, they became stranded. Um, 71 employees of Penn and something similar um, for Kabul Animal Rescue. So they are stranded in Kabul, both of these organizations, all of their animals, you know, each have uh, a lot of animals, you know, um, 200, near 200 for Nalzad and, and I think like 100 for um, KAR. And we're just trying to do our best to figure out how to help get them out of uh, out of the country. There, there is options for human beings, but no options for dogs. There are options for Westerners, but no options for their Afghani counterparts. And they don't want to leave their staff. They don't want to leave their veterinarians. They don't want to leave their kennel staff. They don't want to leave the people that they know are in danger when America fully pulls out on the 30th and the Taliban takes over. They're just not safe. Um, but having professionals leave the country, you know, Afghan, the, the Taliban doesn't want professionals to leave. People, doctors, mm. veterinarians, those who would help rebuild the country. They don't want them. They're resources to them. Um, and they're, you know, they're not safe. And um, it's heartbreaking. I just can't help but think of myself as being him or, or her, you know, the, the founders of these organizations. And I, I, um, I just feel helpless. We've all just felt helpless. There's this, you know, thousands and thousands of us that have been following these stories online and, and trying to contact our local politicians and people overseas and our local military attaches and, and everybody we can. And, um, you know, we had yesterday, they were on their way out. They had an aircraft. They raised a quarter million dollars to get out of Afghanistan, but they can't get their call sign, which is their permission to land at the airport in Kabul. Ah. But today, all we've been trying to do is find the proper authorities to reach who can assign them a call sign to get them the authority to land at the airport. Still okay, don't know hold on, hold on. We got to take yeah. a quick break. I, I sure. want to get more into what's going on today because that's what you were like rushing in from. But let's take a quick break. Okay, so we're back with Zach. So, okay, so you were like, you were flustering in. So you told us that you like 11 p.m. last night. You got some yeah. news. So what's going well, on? What's really interesting is our friends from SPCA International are visiting. So they came down hey. the border and Canada finally opened up. So they came down to shadow the positive change program today, which is incredible. Um, cool. And Lori, who is. We love Lori. She's the best. She's I, amazing. She'll be, she'll be here in like five minutes. Oh, you have to oh bring, her in. So have her bring say hi. her in. Bring her in. Totally. We love Lori. So, I was going to um, ask you about that's PCA. She's connected to everybody in, in mm -hmm. all over the world. You know, I, and I've been to on her behalf or with her all over the globe, you know, work, working with dog stuff. And so having it, having her be able to reach Penn and reach uh, Cobble Animal Rescue is really important because I don't have a point of contact there. And their, yeah. their email and their Instagram messages, I, you can imagine, are just thousands Flooded. of messages. Um, and we had all these really interesting developments take place where folks reached out from a variety of different political offices today with some some real hard intelligence that's helpful. Some of our folks um, who work out at Edwards Air Force Base, which is right near here, really kicked into gear. So I have a, you know, a buddy who's an officer out there. And I could not believe some of the messages he's been sending me today where, where the top brass is coalescing to talk about trying to make things happen. And it's just it's just a beautiful thing to see um, 
so many people, you know, come together to try and help other people. You know, a lot of times the people of animal rescue get forgotten. You know, we are mm-hmm. just here to sacrifice our lives and our, our time and our sanity and our, you know, all the rest of it. Capital um, so on see, the, all caps on the sand. Yes. So to see them, <laughs> you know, to see so many people coming together and so many people messaging and, and I, I, I really, I can't take any credit. All I'm doing is posting things on social media and, and folks are sending me, you know, information, um, which hopefully will be helpful. And uh, we'll find out from, from Lori, you know, later today, if she's able to make contact and if any of this stuff will work, but the next 48 hours are critical. You know, if they're, if they're not out by the, or, or have a exit plan by the 30th, you know, this is, this is um, going to get ugly quick. No pressure. Yeah. So is there, that's really intense. So what kind of things, like, is it, is it out of our hands at this point? Is there anything that people can do to make an influence on this or an impact or like, well, the only thing people can do, which they really can uh, is contact their local politicians, whether it's your state assemblyman or your state Senator, all the way up to your, you know, actual house of United States house of representatives or Senator and, and let them know what's going on. Let them know this is something you're interested in that, the, you know, these Westerners are stuck, that the people who have helped save all these lives are stuck, and that it's very important. You know, we're up against two big problems. One is is people who are not, don't have Western passports needing rescue. So those mm. human beings needing a place to go. And, and the other is animals. And transporting animals right now uh, optically looks weird um, mm. because it looks like you're prioritizing animals over right. people. But, yeah. but most of these animals, as far as I know, in terms of transport aircraft or airlines, you know, there's not going to be a lot of stuff in the cargo bay. The cargo bays are enormous. So that's where the animals would go is in cargo. So it's not taking up space for people. Um, you know, the civilian uh, exit force or, or extrapolation force that they've just commissioned, you know, the president, I think, sent 300 civilian air, you know, airliners over there to start ferrying people. Um, and like I said, those cargo holds are going to be Totally relatively empty. empty. So uh, that's where the animals could go. So I'm just uh, is really the, hoping is, and praying. Is the CDC ban on the so, importation exactly just like going to ask too? It's just yeah. out the door for this because yeah, this is like problem, an emergency. It's not out the door. There's problem after Correct. problem with this. I mean, they right. the United States of America. So I I don't know if this is um, official um, stance or not, but there, it was communicated to me by someone anonymous that if the military does get involved and they are chartering military aircraft, that there is most likely will be a way around the CDC ban because they're not coming in through normal channels. They'll be coming in through military channels. So I think if it was a military aircraft that helped rescue these animals, like say we made a, this is my, in my perfect world scenario, we make enough noise that People in power, politicians and whomever else will take notice of how important this is to the American people and they will come to their aid and they will use a military aircraft to ferry them out of Afghanistan into somewhere safe. And I mean, we're talking about, you know, we offered to we have 20 acres here in Tehachapi that we offered to, you know, if we can get the dogs over, we can help them stage here. You know, we could um, Mm. even help provide jobs here. Uh, I I don't know. That's getting way ahead of ourselves. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I learned about Penn. He's this really remarkable guy. I first learned about him in like 2013 or 2014. Um, he was he got the the CNN Heroes Award, right? That's when I remember seeing him on TV. And I followed him for a couple of years after that. I don't remember ha- what happened in terms of not following him anymore. But uh, he's just a remarkable guy, and I relate to him 
I was not in the military service, but you just really pull for these people and you see what he's done for, for that community and what he's done for abandoned pets in that community and what he's done for military dogs and, and civilian dogs that were over there. And he's just a special guy and they, they deserve help, man. They really do. Okay. Not to make just like an abrupt left. <laughs> no, it's we, it's all about. We've, we've come to, we've come to the end. Really um, already? I know it happens so fast. Is that a reference to a uh, history of the world part one? Is that what that was? No. Yeah. yeah just ride that one out there, Sylvia. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> Have you not seen it? It's a Mel Brooks comedy from the Okay, 80s. so yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> should have. Look it up. Look it up. Okay, but speaking of comedies, um, Jason is going to give us his iteration of comedy. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to our Hubble podcast, but we do end every episode in a very special way every time. So, uh, Jason, when, whenever you're Are you ready, whenever you're ready, sir. All right. Where do dogs go to get a new tail? I don't know. Where do they go? A retail store, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I should have given it a shot. I think I'm going to come up with it. I, I, Dang it. I just want to take a quick moment to thank all of our listeners, my amazing co-host Jason, our amazing, freaking wonderful guest, Zach Scow, for just all the time that he Man, there's there's gonna be a lot of links on this show. So many links, yeah. A lot of a lot of uh, like- talked about Cora. There's so many Instagrams for you guys to check out. Cora, Cora has her own Instagram account. As well, like I mean, like she is a truly good wonder. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of Instagram accounts. We'll try and get as many as possible uh, in the show notes. Anyways, please check us out on social media. Dog is podcast at dog up in this bitch and at forever USA. All that stuff. There is a topic or personality that you would like discussed on the show or you want us to interview. We want to hear from you because we're not doing this for ourselves. I mean, kind of, but anyway. Uh, Until next time, you guys. Awesome. See you later.